You are listening to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. I am your host, Dr. Haley Schaff, and my goal is to empower you to become the alpha of your health. Hey, you guys, and welcome back to the show. I am really excited for today's topic. It's definitely something that a lot of people struggle with. I'm going to be talking all about why you don't have any energy, why you've got brain fog, why you don't have the motivation to go doing what you want, why there's energy dips throughout the day, why you might potentially have issues losing weight. All of these things, although very common, are not normal. But before I do, I want to start off the episodes just kind of sharing some really awesome feedback that I've been getting on the podcast. And so I really wanted to share a review with you. This is best podcast ever. Longtime listener, first time reviewer. This podcast has everything you need to know about health and wellness. Super informative. And each episode teaches me something new. I didn't know about my health journey. Always looking forward to new episodes. And thank you so much for that review. Seriously. I know that I know that it maybe takes like a minute or two to give five stars right of you, but it really means so much. Like I told you guys at the first episode of this year is I, I really do have big goals for the podcast this year and I really, really want it to be out there and available to so many different people. And one huge way that we can make that possible is just writing a review, um, writing a review, giving it five stars are huge ways that it can show the algorithm and the platform that it's on, that it is helping people. So if it's helping you, please just take a minute or two. Just tell me how it's helping you. Tell me what you'd like to see. Um, That little gesture really does mean so, so much. And I so appreciate you guys when you put it on your Instagram story or social media and you tag me and you're sharing it with people. I mean, seriously, that that is my whole goal on why I do what I do. I don't make money from this podcast. You know, it does take a lot of time and I really just feel so driven and called to do this. And, um, those little acts are really ways that you can show me that you appreciate it and that, um, that it's helping you. And it just means, again, it means so much. So let's get into it today. Like I said, I'm talking about energy crashes, brain fog, cravings, weight loss, resistance, all of these types of things. And these things really, um, are very common and most people experience them. And if you think about it, it's, it's again, it's super common, but it's not normal. It's not normal to feel low energy all the time. I mean, if we think about this evolutionarily speaking, if you need a pre-workout to go do your workout, I mean, do, do we think that that's normal? You know, like pre-workouts are such a common thing, but did our ancestors take a scoop of pre-workout before they went out in the wilderness and had to like fend for themselves and hunt animals? If they did, we would have totally died as a, as a, is a call is a, what am I trying to say? As a species, we would have died and we would have not made it because that's a bunch of weak people who can't go out and do the stuff that they're supposed to do. And it's the same thing in today's society. I mean, in today's society, we are much more hyperstimulated. We are much more on the go more so than, than our ancestors potentially would have been. And on the go and saying, we've got a lot more things I think on our plate instead of just like worrying about where our next meal is coming from and worrying about reproducing, um, obviously, but but the pr- the principle is still the same. If you feel that you cannot get through your day without caffeine or you feel like you can't get through a workout without your pre-workout or 
you know, you need that afternoon cup of coffee to keep you going throughout the day because after lunch you start to get tired. Or um, I see a lot of teachers and maybe these teachers, they get home from school around two or three o'clock and they just feel like they could take a nap. Um, or, you know, people are suffering from immense amounts of brain fog. You know, they just don't feel as sharp as they typically do and they, they're forgetting things and they just don't feel as on point. Um, or there's like cravings through the roof, you know, people constantly thinking about when their next meal is going to be and what that meal is going to be and, you know, how much time is left until they get to eat it. Um, and then the last kind of big thing with this topic is weight loss resistance. Um, you know, your body's inability to burn body fat and that's whether your goal is weight loss or not, your, your body should always be able to burn your own body fat. Um, assuming that obviously you have enough and you're not underweight, which most people in America are not. Um, so typically that's not the case because your, it has, our bodies have plenty of fuel already on them. And so our body should kind of be going in the state of, okay, you know, we eat something, we use and utilize those nutrients, either store or burn the calories. And then when we're not eating, if we don't have fuel, we can either tap into our stored body fat, burn the calories that we had eaten. That's just essentially how it's supposed to work, right? So we shouldn't constantly feel this need to be constantly indulging or constantly having copious amounts of caffeine because that's just not normal. Um, if you enjoy caffeine, you know, maybe you are someone who just like really enjoys a black tea or a chai tea or a, a black or a coffee, you know, because you just enjoy it. That's awesome. And I talked about that in uh, two episodes ago. Um, I, it was the listener Q and a where I had someone asked my thoughts on coffee and I think that it kind of boils down to coffees can be a really great thing, but you have to understand why, why you're having, are you having it because it's a crutch and you absolutely need it to get through your day? Are you having your whatever energy source because you need it? Because ideally our body's supposed to make its own energy. And that's the most absolute and beautiful thing. It's almost one o'clock as I'm recording this. And I have just as much energy now as I had this morning when I woke up and I did, I don't need caffeine in the morning. That's why I do decaf, which I know has a little bit, but I, I truly don't need it. I just enjoy having my bulletproof coffee in the morning. And so, um, my goal is to kind of get you guys to this, this point in terms of like not being reliant on caffeine, not having the brain fog, not having these energy crashes, having this stable energy all day long so that you can go and do whatever your heart desires, crush your, crush your work, you know, go out and just be able to have the energy literally to do, like I said, whatever you want. Um, you know, not be constantly reliant on, caffeine or food to keep your energy and cravings at bay, um, and be able to kind of like push through a little of this fat loss resistance that a lot of people experience and the organ, or I should say the organelle that is responsible for so much of what I'm going to be talking about today is your mitochondria. And I'm pretty sure at one point in time, we all learned about our mitochondria in elementary school, a mitochondria. I, we always learned it as the powerhouse of your cell. It is, it is, it is where we are getting all immense amounts of energy from. Um, it is truly, it really does hold its true name, the powerhouse. It's responsible for, um, bringing in nutrients and like dispersing them throughout the cell, expelling waste, making DNA. It's also responsible for burning calories and burning fat. Fat, fat oxidation is going to happen in the mitochondria. We also experience other different things, um, you know, like Krebs and glycolysis that are, are other ways of burning energy, which are important to know as well. And those kind of happen at different places. Um, but, but nonetheless, it is being, it is responsible for our energy generation. Um, whether that energy generation is coming from food or whether it's coming from stored body fat or whatnot. Um, the mitochondria in a lot of people 
is, is not working as best as it should. So many things when I was researching so much for, um, my mom's cancer diagnosis, the mitochondria is really at the root of so many chronic diseases like diabetes and heart disease and a, a lot in cancer and a lot in hormone issues and all these different things. And it's like, oh my gosh, you know, this small little organelle that literally, and you, you know, you, you just learn it as everybody would get this right on the quiz, the mitochondria, the powerhouse of the cell. We all know that, but it's so much more than that. And yes, it's the powerhouse and it's responsible for incredible, like so much, just so much. Um, it, if you think about it, it's really kind of the engine to our metabolism and our metabolism is so much. Our metabolism is just, it's not just, okay, burning calories. It's burning calorie calories, utilizing these nutrients and bringing these nutrients into different metabolic pathways. Um, it's incorporating your hormones. It's incorporating really like all body approach. Um, and the important part with when we're talking about your metabolism and your mitochondria is we don't necessarily want it to be fast. We want it to be flexible. Um, you know, if you think about it, you know, a fast car is really great, but you can only drive in a fast car with a fast engine so long, you know, like eventually it's, it's not super flexible. Like you wouldn't want to drive in a fast, like a Lamborghini you wouldn't want to drive in that in a snowstorm. It's not flexible, but like, like an Explorer or something like a, I just think of Explorer because we're so Ford driven as a family. Um, I love the Explorer. It just reminds me of like an American made Range Rover um, and less expensive. But um, okay. So if you think about an Explorer, luxurious, fast, very functional third row seating, but it's also functional in the sense where if you need to drive in a snowstorm, you can, it's flexible. You know, you can pick the kids up from school and it's got the third row seating, or you can put all the seats down and put your skis and whatever in there. It's very functional and flexible. I know that's maybe a weird analogy, but cars and turn when we think of engine, it just makes sense to me. We need something that's a little bit more functional and flexible and not just fast. So a lot of people are like, Oh, I wish I had a fast metabolism. Well, you don't, you don't really want a fast metabolism because if your mitochondria is just burning through, burning through, burning through fuel, you're going to feel burnout just on the other side. You're not you're not necessarily going to reap the benefits of that flexibility that you get where, okay, you have energy when you eat, but when you don't, you know, we, our body can kind of slow down a little bit, tap into body fat, and then you can burn body fat. That's the flexibility that I'm talking about. And that's something that a lot of people don't really have. So there's a few different energy sources that this, that our engine of our mitochondria can get. Um, obviously it can use carbs, you know, it can go through glycolysis and the Krebs cycle, which is a way of kind of just burning down carbs and essentially every different pathway that we talk about, whether, and I'm not really going to get super sciencey because I do want people to understand it, but, um, this just brings me back to the biochemistry days. You've got glycolysis, the Krebs, you've got, uh, beta oxid, uh, fatty acid or beta oxidation, which is like burning of fats. Um, and then, um, yeah. So those all break down into acetyl groups. So not that matters the six carbon, but it our, so our body can use it the same way. Um, which is nice because it shows that we can have fats or carbs and get the energy. You technically can do protein. Our body can break down protein. It doesn't necessarily love to, but it most certainly can, um, from an evolutionarily standpoint, uh, that's obviously not the most best thing to ever do. We don't want to break down the muscle that we're having because, we built that muscle up for a reason. So if we can burn it from these other fuels, that is definitely where we want to go. But our body can uh, burn amino acids. It's just 
not an advantageous thing. So I guess there's pros and cons to burning both carbs and fats. Um, burning carbs, it gives you kind of more quick energy um, and it kind of keeps some stable, like it keeps glucose stable kind of in your blood. Um, but unfortunately not for a crazy long time because your body's going to burn through that a little bit quicker. Um, carbs tend to be a little bit sticky when, when the mitochondria is going through and, uh, de- or not, not, what's the word I'm looking for when the mitochondria is kind of like going through and breaking it down. Um, it can kind of have more like sticky by- byproducts, which the stickiness can kind of be related to, um, faster signs of aging, sluggishness, that kind of stuff. And it also does produce CO2, um, which is not as advantageous for our organs. Um, so there's kind of like the benefits of that, but, um, and then fats, we can get a little bit longer, more sustained, um, energy. The brain really loves running off of things like fat, but when you are talking about fat though, it's going to be in the it's going to be in the presence of ketones. So the liver does have to be in good health in order for the body to make ketones from the liver. Cause if the liver is not in good health, um, it is going to dampen that process. And if that process is not working functionally, that's where the body will go and break down protein. So, um, it's really important to include the liver and liver health into this talk, which is really important. Um, liver health is, important for so many different things and liver stagnancy and liver issues are really common. Fatty liver disease, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is so common. I see it in so many different types of patients just with their presentation alone. And I have had nurses who are patients of mine who are like, Oh my God, yeah, we see non-alcoholic fatty liver and so many people who come in and, um, it's, it's super important to take care of your liver. So make sure that you guys are kind of doing your due diligence on that and, you know, eating good foods, staying away from processed chemicals and things that the liver is really going to have to process and break down alcohol, environmental toxins, you know, things that are in your water, obviously things that are in your food. So having a good, healthy, clean source of food is, is really important, not only for your mitochondria, but for your liver so that you can obtain this metabolic flexibility. Okay. So, um, mitochondria health in a nutshell is, is so important and it's so important for kind of breaking all these things down. And so if you're someone who feels like you're, mitochondria is not in the best health. Um, you know, maybe you kind of got some of the symptoms, like I had said, you know, you get these energy crashes, you don't have much energy at all, either from the moment you wake up, or maybe it slowly goes down throughout the day. Um, you experience brain fog, you have a lot of cravings, you have issues losing weight. Maybe you have a really high pulse rate because your energy is not efficient and, um, your blood pressure, it could be a little high. Maybe you get headaches. Those are kind of all ways that we can look at that. And then obviously manifest, mitochondrial dysfunction can manifest in so many other ways, like chronic diseases, like cancer and hormone issues and heart disease, diabetes, all those kind of things, pre-diabetes, all that kind of stuff. Um, but the good news is, is there are a lot of different lifestyle things that you can do to help support your liver, obviously through diet, um, limiting refined and starchy carbs that are going to be more empty calories and more focusing on if you are, when you do consume carbs, that they are coming from really good whole food sources. If you're going to do grains, have them be organic and sprouted so that they're not like this quick burst of energy that all of a sudden the mitochondria is just left sticky and has nothing left to do. Um, 
including lots of healthy fats is one of the best things that you can do for your mitochondria, boosting that kind of natural ketone production. Um, I'm definitely a fan of going in and out of ketosis. You know, when I eat my last meal of the day at five ish o'clock, I'm, I'm definitely in ketosis in the next morning when I wake up, but I don't stay in it throughout the day. I eat breakfast and I probably kick myself out. Um, because I just, I've, I believe in going in and out. And I think that flexibility is what a lot of people are missing and what a lot of people need. So I'll definitely continue educating on that for sure. Um, it's not about being, like I said, a hundred percent into something. It's about being able to have that flexibility and go in and out. Um, that can be really, really beneficial to the mitochondria. Um, other things, you know, diet or lifestyle wise, um, exercise, regular exercise is really important. Too much and too intense exercise can be a burden on the mitochondria because it's a lot of ATP that it's got to generate. And, you know, if it's not getting that proper rest recovery and other things that I'm talking about, it is going to be a heavily, heavy burden on it. But, um, daily exercise that feels good for you, knowing when you need that recovery, knowing when you can push a little bit harder, depending on like what fuel and recovery you're doing is important. Infrared sauna and sauna use in general, heat exposure in general is really good for the mitochondria because these, what's really, when I'm talking about what's good for the mitochondria, it's kind of going back to this, this notion of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. These little organelles are incredibly resilient. So we, what we have to do is we have to stress them out enough to know that they can adapt this resiliency, but not to the point where they go into this mode where they're like, holy cow, like our body is functioning at like a very low capacity. So all of these things that I'm mentioning are kind of like these, uh, environmental and, and dietary hormetic stressors. So it's these stressors that are just these little bits of things that stress out your body that make it a little bit stronger. It's just like working out resistance training. It's stress on your muscles and it creates these breakdowns, but you, what do you do? You get stronger because it's these little micro tears that your body builds and builds and builds and it therefore makes you stronger. So it's the same thing with mitochondria. And when people ask like, why do you go in the sauna? Why do you love it so much? It's this little stress like that, that stresses your mitochondria out. But I, I have energy all the time. I don't have cravings. I never get brain fog. I have no issues with my circadian rhythm. I, I, I check all the boxes in terms of metabolic health because of all these lifestyle things. So sauna is great. Moderate, um, moderate and regular exercise is fantastic. Red light therapy is amazing. Um, there's these different red lights that you can get. Juve, I know, makes one. I always use the red light chromotherapy in the sauna. Red light is, it penetrates deeper, being able to affect the mitochondria a little bit more. Sleep and recovery is really important. I know I just talked about these hormetic stressors, but sleep and recovery is really important because when you stress something out, you got to bring in the recovery piece to it. Um, one part that I should have said with a sauna is uh, cold exposure. So that hot, cold exposure, any type of kind of more drastic and dramatic heat or cold is really, really good for it because it kind of stresses it out one way and it kind of gets used to that as you're in the sauna and then you go and you stress it out another way and it's constantly forcing it to adapt. And the cool part about it is you can make more mitochondria the more that you do this. So the more energy you have, the more you're supporting them, the better. Intermittent fasting is great too because again, it has to be done in the right way. It has to be done right for you. Females, intermittent fast looks a lot a bit different than 
a male because we have hormones and these hormones fluctuate and change on a monthly basis. We're on a males are just changing every day. Um, so intermittent fasting is kind of the same way. We go a time without food. It's, the mitochondria is like, whoa, like we need to, we need to hold off for a second. You know, we need to become more resilient and it stresses them out. And then we have food all is fine again. And it goes in this kind of like vicious, not vicious cycle, but it goes, it goes in this cycle that is really consistent to our evolution, really consistent to our ancestors and how, how they would have obviously lived. And they did not have the problems that we have now in modern day society where we just have constant food at our disposal all day long. Um, so that's one of my favorite tips. My fasting window, I get this question a lot. How long do I fast? My fasting window changes. I try to be done eating by like five, five thirty. Obviously that's not always the case. Um, the, and the reason I do that is because I really believe in eating kind of within my circadian rhythm. And so if I wake up at five thirty ish, it's obviously still dark, but I eat, you know, after a few hours after it's been light, I'll eat it like depending on what time, nine ish to 11 ish. So if I stop at five, that gives me a really good window to be able to eat in. It changes, uh, days where I'm training a little bit harder. I'll have maybe more than two meals. I'll have more three meals. And then some days I'll do two, um, still making sure that I'm getting in really high quality calories, high quality nutrients. That's really important. Um, I, and I do try to tailor it to my cycle, tailor it to my training, tailor it to like how I'm feeling. I think that's really important just because I get up here and I say, Oh, I fast for 15, 16 hours. I don't want the listener being like, Oh, Haley does it. She is in great health. And obviously I always still have things to work in, but I don't know what people are perceiving this as. Um, I like to think that I do. Um, I'm definitely working on it, but I don't want then someone to go do that. And I think it's really important to kind of start slow and then kind of work your way up, see how you feel, see how your body adjusts. But it's crazy how strong and resilient your body can get. Sometimes when I've got just a little bit more time um, to play around with it, I will stress my window a little bit more. And it's crazy how resilient the body can get. It really is important, though, for females to not overstress it. I've had a lot of conversations with people being like, I stretched it too much and now my cycle's off. And so it, it still is a stressor. So it's important to kind of taper it back and know how to do it in the right way. But I have so many people who, you know, they've done it and their brain fog goes away. Their energy crashes go away. There's more sustained energy because of how you are so supporting your mitochondria and your energy production in general and really kicking you out of kind of just being like a sugar burner reliant on constant food in and making you a lot more flexible and resilient. Sulforaphane um, is a compound that is found in broccoli sprouts, and that's a really, really good nutrient that can help boost your mitochondria health. Um, things like glutathione, polyphenols, and antioxidants in food are going to be really supportive of that because they're going to really support the recovery and um, and just overall health of that. And as with your own, with your entire body, like those things are just really supportive of your entire body in general. So um, I think that that's important. And I do just, again, want to emphasize it is not normal to feel energy crashes and it's not normal to feel brain fog and all of these things that unfortunately way too many people experience for my liking. So hopefully you can take something away from this episode and kind of start to look at how you can support your body in a little bit different ways, how you can implement these things to start supporting your mitochondria. Maybe you start doing like hot, cold exposure in the shower, like toggle it to hot for 30 seconds and then cold to 30 seconds. I mean, that's a great way to get started. You don't need these fancy equipment, things like these expensive red lights and these 
infrared saunas. They're amazing. And if you do have them to exposure, by all means, I think they're awesome. I mean, that's exactly why we invested in an infrared sauna because the, they're just so good for your health. Um, and I do try to use, I try to use it whenever I can, whenever I can at the practice. Um, if you're a local to Canandaigua, the one at Chosen Athletics is amazing. Like I said, I love it. I absolutely love it. And I go in whenever I can. It's, I've noticed such a huge change and that's a huge reason why we're getting one for our house is because I've noticed so many changes that I want Nick, my husband to experience those changes because I want to do whenever I'm thinking of anything healthy, I don't want to just be selfish and do it myself. Like I want us to be able to do them together because what fun is it to be alone and healthy when you don't have anyone to experience it with, you know, like I, we want to both be doing all this stuff together. And, um, and I am definitely just really excited to get that. Cause that it, it's amazing. I love it. Um, but you know, you can focus on just getting daily exercise, really working on your sleep recovery. Maybe you just start doing a little bit more time restricted eating or spacing out your meals a little bit. Um, you don't even have to put a title on it if you don't want. You don't have to put a title of intermittent fasting. Fasting from anything. I fast from my phone. I fast from junk food. I fast from vegetable oils. You know, it's just it's just a buzzword. Um, it is something that technically I do do, so I will use the term. But um, try try these things and see how you feel. And over time, it really is crazy how the body so, so adapts. Um, and I, uh, yeah, I guess I'll leave you guys with that. So some tips that you guys can work on, improve your energy, improve your brain fog, improve your cravings, help push through that weight loss resistance, help really support your body, be able to burn fat when you're not eating is super important. And, and this is a topic that I'm really passionate about because most people's metabolisms are not working optimally. They're not flexible. Um, so I am thinking about doing a course in the future, um, all about kind of like doing a metabolic reset and how to make yourself not necessarily have a fast, but a healthy and flexible metabolism. I just see way too many people. I mean, so many discovery calls that I do with people or people who come into the office or people I'm working with or people who reach out to me on social media. I mean, everybody is like, I just feel like I'm doing everything right. And I am still struggling to lose weight. And it just kind of boils down to why it's not just as simple as what's in and out. Like it's, how are we supporting these different things? How are we supporting our liver? How are you supporting your supporting your mitochondria health? How are you supporting all these different types of things, um, that can so easily be burdened by a toxic lifestyle, not, you know, not great diet choices, not great food choices, all these kind of things. Um, so that is definitely going to be something in the works. And then Something else in the works that I'm going to just kind of hint at is I'm working on something because so many of you guys always ask, what do I eat? What are foods that I eat? Can you share more recipes? So I am working on something that is going to give you guys a little hint and some hopefully great resources into foods that we eat, um, how to make them, et cetera. And so that's been a project that has just started in the works, but I just wanted to hint at that to get you guys excited, um, to get you guys thinking, give you something to look forward to. But, um, there's definitely a lot of really awesome content that I'm planning on putting out this year. Obviously in the podcast, I am just continuing to hopefully bring on some good guests. I really am trying to do a lot of collaborative things on social media. Um, trying to obviously put out great content on social media within my stories. I've got a lot of great content in my highlight reels, things from cancer to this virus to, um, 
non-toxic living to books that I'm reading. Um, all these different types of things. I'm trying to create a lot of different stuff so that you can help live your healthiest life. P.S. Tala just started chewing on her deer antler, so I'm not sure if you can hear that, but she just decided to do it right below my feet underneath me. So I apologize for that noise, but um, I hope that you guys are excited for the content that is going to be coming out this year. Like I said, if you could just do me a solid favor, rate this podcast and give a, a review an honest review, what you'd like to see in the future. I seriously read all of them and I would appreciate it so, so much. I will see you guys next week. <laughs> Tala and her antler. Have a great week, you guys. Woo!